Welcome to Accelerate Performance, Collingwood's series of podcasts designed to help leaders and executives strengthen the foundations of their business and navigate transformational change. In each episode, we'll discuss topics related to board and executive effectiveness, organisational change and leadership transitions and development. These are all designed to help enable leaders like you who are responsible for driving business growth through times which are volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our latest podcast in our Thought Leadership series. I'm Jennifer Parrott, Director of Consultancy Services at Collingwood Consulting, and today I have with me Dr Paul Turner to discuss the topic of executive effectiveness. Paul is an Associate Consultant with Collingwood Consulting and also the primary author of our new white paper on executive evaluation and effectiveness. Paul has an outstanding track record of business success, both as an Executive Director responsible for multi-channel sales, customer service and HR before he moved into consultancy in 2006. He gained his PhD in organisational leadership behaviour in 2011 and regularly publishes papers and books on leadership as well as maintaining academic links with several universities and business schools. Good morning Paul. Good morning Jennifer. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us this morning, how are you? I'm great, thank you very much. Great. Um, I suppose my, my first question here is well, it's, it's why. I mean, there's there's so much information about leadership and strategic change floating around. What was your driver for, for this specific research? Yeah, I've seen both uh, as an executive and as a consultant varying degrees of impact and effectiveness of leadership and strategic change offerings. So the key driver of the research is to inform, refine and improve the quality of solutions and delivery so that we can create a better impact for our clients. There's been quite a lot of research in the last 20 years than ever before, and it's so important to keep up to date with our knowledge. We need to ensure our products and services are are keeping pace with this rapid change in the business world. For example, we know that in the UK alone, millions of pounds is spent um, and wasted due to a lack of focus and alignment to actual executive and business needs. Critical evaluation at the front end of leadership activity can improve this and deliver increased business benefits. So is, is that the, the, the key finding in the research that the, the critical evaluation can improve consultancy interventions in this area? In a word, yes. Uh, one of the key strengths of most executive teams is to create momentum, take action, get on with executing strategy. Yet, in every other area of business investment, executive teams use and value evaluation. For example, IT, capital assets, product development, marketing launches, there would always be a rigorous evaluative process. So, it's essential executive change and development, leadership interventions are no different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many change in leadership programmes are created and and delivered without that front-end evaluation piece being in place. Um, How would you describe, then, best practice evaluation in a leadership context? Evaluation is about collecting and systemising data and evidence uh, with the end purpose that better informed decisions can be made before executive 
intervention takes place. The evaluation process can then generate a change route map and a direction with the related goals. And these goals can then be based on tangible return on investment outcomes. So, in a word, it's about setting the direction. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. You know, in my experience in IT, manufacturing, retail, FS, yeah, investment in more traditional tangible products would require more focus, you know, analysis, sign off, um, yeah, and robust evaluation. And certainly our clients want to see tangible payback on their upfront development investment. So we've we've got that evaluation is important. What will an emphasis on this evaluation deliver to the client? Three key things, Jennifer. Firstly, focus. Effective evaluation pinpoints the focus of executive programs and ensures alignment to the business strategy and the roles of the executive team and individuals. The relationship between individual executives, the executive team as a whole and the organisation is very often not considered holistically and when it isn't, this often results in blockers to effective development. So pre-development evaluation can avoid this. So evaluation there of, of that top team, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Evaluation of the top team, evaluation of the individual executives, and evaluation of the organisational context. Okay. So focus is critical. Secondly, a focus needs to have outcomes. Are hard, tangible targets that drive return on investment. Why else would a business invest thousands of pounds if not to increase its value, whether in revenue, growth, capability, productivity, or profit? So when you've got the focus and you've got the outcomes, the targets, what you then need to do is to create momentum and to ensure that that's ongoing. So as well as being at the front end of the executive program, the evaluative framework should also be a thread running throughout the program, right up to the review of outcomes. Uh, and from this, future development priorities will emerge, which can then be aligned to the overarching strategy, which, of course, is also changing as, as uh, time progresses. So what, what you're saying is that as the strategy develops and, and changes, so do the executive development priorities. Yes. So can you give us an insight into the main challenges to achieving you know, the, the three elements you've just mentioned, the focus, the outcomes, the ongoing momentum? You know, what, what are the challenges to executive development? What, what gets in the way? Yeah. Well, what I've tried to do when, when undertaking this research is to try and understand the, the, the general characteristics of these challenges. They generally fall into five areas. Firstly, delivery, poor delivery. We, we found that the favoured vehicles for executive development are workshops, special projects and coaching. No surprises there. Yet fewer than 40% of UK leaders believe their leadership development programmes are effective. Secondly, culture. Uh, very often, development takes place against a traditional hierarchical and bureaucratic uh, structure. And, and processes, and these generally are not suited to cross-organisational learning. So when we looked at this, the research indicated that those organisations with a highly effective culture are three times more likely to outperform their competition, yet less than 20% of managers 
believe they have a highly effective culture. So you're saying here that the culture element and the development element and the strategic element all need to be aligned and addressed together? Very much. And very often uh, executive uh, development uh, is, is and, and interventions generally uh, are quite silo. Okay. But, but the third point was, was quite intriguing and that was personalities. Uh, personalities of the individual executive. Uh, the power of personality is so often ignored in executive development programs. Now we know that to be successful as an executive team needs uh, self uh, and emotional awareness. Yet most organisations don't consider personality and behavioural analytics in their executive development programmes. Now for example at Collingwood to help us do this, we use Hogan Assessments. and We use Hogan Assessments because they're the global leader in executive leadership personality assessments. But very, very often, something like Hogan, whether Hogan or similar, will not be found in these programs. Um, from there, we're talking about um, another interesting, uh, and you'll recognise this, Jennifer, another interesting point around flavour of the month. Uh, and, and every manager can relate to that term. Many executive development programs are based on a series of one-off programs with no continuous development thread running throughout. Yet, the studies that we uh, have accessed show that any benefits gained from learning quickly dissipates once the formal events end, unless there's a continuous reinforcement. Yes, I mean we've we've seen this a few times, you know, where a longer term approach would achieve more value and, and, and more impact. And this is, you know, backed up by neuroscience research which has found that learning is increased when short frequent bursts are put in place over a longer time frame and threads of knowledge are being reinforced throughout. So we you know yeah. we, we have we've we've seen this in practice. Yeah, absolutely. And and the key constraint here is risk for the client. Risk in terms of commitment and cost. Yet the upside is more, is more valuable. The final uh, challenge we then found was around content. Leadership development content is often not aligned to the actual skill set development requirements. Amazing this may sound. Uh, content is, is, is generally not best fit. And, and this is mainly due to informal and unscientific approaches such as individual perceptions being used to evaluate critical leadership development needs. Okay, I mean that's that's a really good summary of what can get in the way of accelerating the performance of, of, of an executive team and, and yeah, thank you for, for your research into that. Your, your last point mentions the importance of correctly identifying and then developing the right business uh, critical executive skill sets. What does your research say about these and what, what is the ideal skill set of an executive? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the holy grail of executive development. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, when we looked at uh, numerous studies, uh, we, we focused primarily on, on what global uh, C-suite executives of high-performing companies were saying. And from this, I've refined this into, into eight key threads. And, and, and these are change management, Executing strategy, which is quite a line. Innovation, 
agility, adaptability, collaboration, communication and critical thinking skills. And is this in terms of an executive team where, you know, amongst the team all these skills need to be present or is this for an individual executive? Both. Individual executives should strive to their game in these areas, uh, but if needed. But team blind spots need to be identified. For example, if there is too little innovative thinking or critical thinking skill sets are imbalanced. Uh, a great team, whether in sport or business or any other area, is about balance. And that, that fits in with my own experiences. You know, it's rare to find well-developed skill sets in one person or one team. You know, each company and each executive team have different requirements, surely. Absolutely. It's likely there will be common development themes, but these will vary dependent upon individual executives, the team dynamics and organisational context. Therefore, it's imperative that these are identified by a rigorous executive evaluative process which covers all three individuals, the executive team as a whole and the wider business context. Yeah, the, the shifting sounds on three levels, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so let's bring this to, to, to life a little. I mean, can, can you talk me through a time when you've worked with a highly effective board or executive team, you know, where the skill set was optimised? You know, is there anything you would have done differently in approaching that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can recall uh, what was a highly effective executive team, and they operated in a very stable, unchanging environment. And this highly effective executive team gradually uh, became an in ineffective team. Uh, and, and this was primarily due to the onset of change and disru disruption. So what was successful, uh, what they were doing was successful, but the external environment changed and therefore these behaviours, these strengths became less um, impactful. Now, they successfully uh, overcame their behavioural barriers um, through development uh, and, and, and uh, they managed to come to terms with the fact that they were locked in an environment that no longer existed. Um, a large part of that, and, and certainly it couldn't have happened without a great CEO who led and nurtured them through. The key factor in doing this was accepting that to get across the change curve that we all face uh, when, when change comes along and to leave behind old behaviours required constructive challenge, honest conversations, uh, both in terms of self and team. And to achieve this level of challenge without dysfunctional behaviour taking hold required a lot of work around personality preferences, team dynamics and organisational culture. As for doing anything differently, I'd say now I'm more likely to up the challenge a little quicker through facilitation uh, than maybe before. But it's not a science, Jennifer, you know this. All depends on the individual's team and context. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Okay, I mean, that's, that's a great example. Thank you. Um, in, in your view, then, after conducting this research, you know, what's, what's next for leadership and strategic change? You know, for the, what's, what's the future for the CEO of 
2020-2030? What lies in store? <laughs> ah, 2020 frightens me when given an answer like that. And uh, <laughs> 2030 is, is a bit of a challenge. But, well, as we know, markets and services are changing rapidly. And they change more and more rapidly each day as the world changes around us. Strategies, business strategies, try to make sense of and respond to these changes. So leaders drive strategy and leaders need to do the same to be effective, whether individually in terms. Now, Jim, we, we know the term VUCA and it's come to the fore to describe this new business environment. Uh, the volatility, the nature, speed, volume of change, uncertainty, the lack of predictability going forward, uh, making it difficult for leaders to use past issues and events as predictors, complexity, numerous and complex factors getting more and more complex each day, and ambiguity, lack of clarity. Uh, it's very difficult to pin down the future as it was before. Yeah. That's a military model, isn't it? I mean, is there any new thinking as well emerging around the VUCA model? Yeah, it, it, it is a military model and started out back in the 80s and, and started to become adapted uh, by businesses over the last uh, 10, 20 years. But yeah, there's some interesting work uh, which flips this model. Uh, uh, Johansson talks about uh, the, op- the, the conversing, how do you respond to volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity. And he talks about you respond by focusing on the vision focus on the risk and the opportunity to counter that volatility, understanding um, to, to, to actually offset uncertainty, so there's a clear understanding around communication, teamwork and collaboration, uh, clarity in complex situations, clarity will make sure that you align decisions and communications with individual and team roles, and agility, ambiguity means we can't see as far ahead as we used to. So being agile, fast, decisive, and, and making good decisions and execution is critical. So I quite like that one, where, where, where that's a development model of how to respond in that, in that new environment. And so by focusing on, on these leadership characteristics, you can actually start to see a path through this uncertainty. So I expect to see, going forward, uh, much more emphasis on executive development um, in terms of the wider team and wider organisation rather than in the past it's been quite individualistic. Executives been allowed to go and do their own thing on executive development. And from a, a CEO viewpoint, as, as mentioned already, change management is right up there at the uh, top of the agenda. Uh, and, and there's a continuing trend also towards a, a more coaching style. But, but one that recognised that coaching has to have a business focus. And I suppose that brings us back to the beginning of our discussion, really, I suppose, and your emphasis on the critical importance of evaluation and setting it up correctly and making sure this is aligned to the strategic context. Very um, much. Yeah. That, that's been great. Thank you, Paul, for, for, for all your insights and for a taster of of our, our new white paper. If you'd like a copy of the white paper, you can download it from our website um, at collingwoodconsulting.co.uk. But for now, I'd just like to say thank you, Paul. It was very insightful and interesting. I hope you've all enjoyed uh, listening to our podcast. Please listen again soon for further insights and Lord uh, and thought leadership. Um, so from, from myself, goodbye and thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye.